Hey, you're listening to the Debt-Free CEO Podcast, where you'll learn ways to manage your finances in your personal or business life to set you on the path to debt-free and on to financial freedom. I'm Megan, your debt-free finance coach, former high school math teacher, now a debt-free entrepreneur. In 2021, I paid off $53,000 worth of debt in 12 months so that I could walk away from the classroom. Whether you're on the path to debt-free or looking for ways to manage your finances better, you're in the right place. Walking the path to financial freedom doesn't have to be lonely. We're in this together. Hey friends, welcome back to the Debt-Free CEO podcast. This week, I am talking with Annie Hillman with 1428 Financial, and oh my goodness, we have got some great stuff for you this week, so I hope you enjoy. Hi. Hey, Annie. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am good. So let's get started and tell our listeners or tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got started in business, and tell us just a little bit about 1428 Financial. Yeah. So I'm Annie Hillman, as Megan said. Um, I'm the founder and CEO at 1428 Financial. I started my business a little over three years ago. I was working at a winery as a staff accountant, which was a really interesting job, but I knew that I wanted more freedom. I knew that eventually I'd want kids one day and didn't want to spend my you know 10 hours a day sitting at a desk. So I started doing bookkeeping on the side, just kind of as a little extra cash. And I fell in love with it. I was like, you mean I get to work with all kinds of different small business owners and really help them understand their finances. And like, I get to do that. (laughs) So it was really cool just kind of stepping away from that, you know, working for a large company and doing, you know, it, there was really cool pieces about that job, but I just really love that now I get to work with small business owners who may be just starting out or don't know as much about business finances, and I'm able to help them understand that. So here at 1428 Financial, we provide business owners with clarity and insights and usable data through monthly bookkeeping and CFO services. So we work with a variety of different industries, but we really focus on online service providers. So I have a couple of things. So you got your degree in accounting or finances? I got my degree in business. So I got my accounting experience through on-the-job experience. Okay. How long were you at that job? I was at the job over three years, um, but my total uh, accounting experience has been about ten, a little over a decade, which is crazy to say now. I It's so funny because I felt like I tried to do everything else. I can kind of relate to you. I wanted to be a teacher and started college and I was like, I'm going to be a math teacher And then just kind of kept coming back to accounting. And then when I finally like gave in and I was like, you know what? I think this accounting thing might be the thing for me and ended up just falling in love with it. And the cool thing is that while I'm not obviously teaching, you know, high school students, the algebraic formulas, I still get to use that heart for teaching with my clients and business owners. And instead of teaching them algebra, I'm teaching about business finances. That is exactly how I feel about the debt-free CEO and about what I get to do with helping people pay off debt is I am still quote unquote teaching. It's just yeah. looks a little different and it's not super traditional. So I love that you said that. Um, and then I had another question. So how was the transition from going from working with one account, one business and working with that first job to now managing 
your own business and having multiple accounts and businesses that you also help manage with their numbers and bookkeeping and accounting with. Yeah, it was really interesting. At first, I was like a little worried about it um, just because, you know, at my old job, I, like you said, I was working with one business and I got to go very deep on that one business and then transitioning to managing a lot more clients at this time. I was a little unsure, but the cool thing is, and what I've found as time has gone on is it's really, it makes things very interesting because we get to see so many different businesses. And because we focus on certain industries, we're able to kind of see like trends and we're able to see what's going on. And when you're working with one business, you know, you see one business's finances and you kind of get into this bubble. Whereas when you're working with multiple businesses, you get to see what's happening across multiple businesses. And you can say, oh, you know, this might be happening for this business, but it's not happening for these other businesses over here. Or maybe I see this happening in multiple clients' businesses. Maybe this is a trend. Maybe this is something that we should pay a little bit more attention to. It really, you get to learn more as you are working as well. Mm -hmm. And I love always being a student and always being a learner in whatever I'm doing. And you kind of touched on this a second ago, but I want to ask again and ask in in maybe a little bit of a different way. What is your favorite thing to teach slash help your business owners that you work with in their business when it comes to their bookkeeping or their finances? I love this question. So One of my core values for this business is empowerment. So it's not only doing the books of the clients that we have and, you know, telling them what their numbers are, but it's teaching them what all those numbers mean and how they can use those numbers to make informed decisions in their business. We also really value empathy. And so for me, it's not only giving them their their numbers that they have. It's reading into those stories that we all tell ourselves stories about numbers, whether it's on the personal side or whether it's in our business. And it's really important to me that we lead with empathy when giving those numbers, because yes, you could say A plus B equals C. There's their numbers on a paper, but there's so much more than that. And we understand that finances can be such a stressful topic. So it's, it's important for me when we're teaching about those numbers that we are so sensitive to the fact that it might be stressful. And I love that I get to teach people there is a better way. It doesn't have to be stressful. That is very relatable in what I do in the debt-free CEO because money is so tricky and uncomfortable and stressful. (laughs) So many things that we could add under (laughs) that umbrella. And so the way that you go about it is unique and sensitive and really takes those business owners into account and their thoughts and their feelings and um, shows that you truly care. And so I love, I love that. So what are a lot of, or what are some common mistakes that you see online service providers make in their bookkeeping with their money? Yeah. So I have a bookkeeping basics guide that you can find on my website. It's totally free and it has a list of about 10 of the most common bookkeeping mistakes that I see but I'm going to go ahead and touch on a couple of them here. So the biggest one, and this is probably a surprise to no one is mixing business and personal expenses. You know, it's easy when you're first starting out to just say, Oh, you know, just put it on my personal card, or I am not, I don't need to open a business bank account yet. Like it's fine, but we recommend getting a separate business bank account from the beginning. Some other mistakes that I see is not keeping receipts. Um, This is also, like I said, we have in our bookkeeping basics guide, we have a whole section on how we recommend tracking receipts. 
the last thing I'm going to say, and this one's kind of scary, but it's not, it sounds scary, but it's not, is ignoring sales tax. So sales tax laws are always evolving. And in some states, you know, even digital products are taxed. So I think there's this common misconception that if you're a service provider, you don't have to think about sales tax. And that's not always the case. It's not super common at this time for services or digital products to be taxed, but it's definitely something to think about when you're, you know, when you're looking at your services. So business, banking, keeping them separate, tracking and keeping your receipts and sales tax, those are are so important. And I feel like starting a business is scary anyways. And so when you take that first step, sometimes just starting the business and getting the ball rolling is the the big push that you need. And so I always come in and encourage and, you know, congratulate people that do that. And but but once they get going, it's kind of like, okay, you should sit down and make sure you go back to the basics a little bit of like, okay, did you do all of those things that you should have done because they can get you into some hot water later on down the road? Mm-hmm. So I always like say, I always tell people, I'm like, good job that you did it. And you got started same similar when I'm, when people want to pay off debt, I'm like, there's really no wrong way to pay off debt, right? There's no wrong, wrong way yeah. to start a business, right? And to track your numbers, kind of, kind of, <laughs> you know, you know, kind of, just the fact that you're doing it and you're starting somewhere is really great. And same with debt payoff. But once you kind of get going and get further down the road, you should pause and go back and look, okay, did I actually do things quote unquote the right way? And I I don't know about you. I'm sure you do this, but I do that with anything. I do it one time and I go back and I'm like, okay, <laughs> we need to change this, 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 we need to rework this, this, this. And I don't know if, if that's just if I'm, I'm sure it's normal, but I relate it a lot to teaching because I would teach lessons and I would teach the same lesson four to seven times a day, just depending on what it was. And so I would teach it first period, but it may not even be the same lesson by the time it got to the end of the day because of how much you're learning as you're going and tweaking along the way. And so similar, similarly to when you're tracking your numbers in your business, you know, you may not have opened up that business bank account right away, but you can start now. You need to start now once you have learned and once you have realized that that was a problem. You may have not tracked your receipts. Hopefully you can go back and find them all and keep them all, you know, either in a file cabinet or I know you posted a really helpful reel the other day about keeping them in a Google Drive. And I've seen another person that takes a picture of the receipts and then has like an account mm-hmm. at meganmendez.com that you send them to, to keep them in that mm-hmm. that email for the whole time. So there's so many ways to keep up with them. And then sales tax. Uh, that one is scary. <laughs> that one is really scary. And so I'm sure somebody's going to have this question, but what is the best way to go about learning if yeah. you should be charging sales tax or not? Yeah, there's a couple resources that we recommend that can really break it down. You can always go to your state's tax and fee administration, like I think Texas calls it like the Texas state comptroller or like California, it's like the CDTFA. You can always go there. The thing with that is that you read a little bit like a textbook, right? So if you're reading tax code, like if you could do it, good for you. It's just not my first choice um, as far as like resources. That being said, if you call into them, they're usually incredibly helpful. Like every time I have a lot of clients in California and every time I have to call into the CDTFA, CDTFA, it's this one older gentleman that I just love him. I'm like, I want to be friends with you because he's just so incredibly helpful. And he just always like gives me, you know, answers my questions. 
And because sales tax is a complicated thing, like I don't know everything off the top of my head. I have to use these resources myself. The other two that we recommend is there's one called Avalara. And then there's another one called TaxJar. And these are both websites where you can go on and you can say, I live in California and I do this or my service is taxable. Is my product taxable? And these are going to break it down a little bit more in plain terms, uh, like as opposed to like the comptroller websites and that kind of thing. So those are the two, Avalara and TaxJar are the two that we recommend. That's funny because I had to pay... I was trying to figure out last year if I needed to pay sales tax and I ended up paying it. I paid it completely wrong. Oh my <laughs> gosh, it's it's no fun. And I ended up calling the the number, which sometimes people dread calling because you may wait forever. They may be rude, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It was actually a very positive experience similar yeah. to what you had said. And I, I mean, this, I think it was a male too. And he was just so helpful. And I was like, oh my gosh, I <laughs> screwed this all up. And he was so nice. He's like, don't worry, they'll cut you a check and you'll get refunded. He goes, but now that you've you're paying and tracking it and all correctly. And oh gosh. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time, but I like that you said to call because I had a positive experience as well. And sometimes just set aside the time, pick up the phone, call and figure out what it is that you need to do because you don't want to get yourself into trouble later on down the road. Yeah. So that brings up my next question. What challenges do you feel online service providers face in this space or are facing in this space? Yeah, this is a great question. I think right now what a lot of us are thinking about is the economy. Um, I think that it's very uncertain right now, you know, with everything going on, both business-wise and personal-wise, like we just bought a house and looking at interest rates, I was like, what like where's those two percent interest rates we saw a couple years ago? Those so just everything in the economy is just so uncertain right now. And it can be really stressful to to think about. But I think with what we do and for online service providers, the biggest thing that I can recommend is knowing your client and knowing what your what their problem is and creating your offer and service to solve that problem. Because no matter what, ultimately, if your service solves a problem that your ideal client has, they're going to buy it from you because they need it. So this could look like every so often reevaluating your offer and your service to make sure that you are meeting the needs of your client. And maybe it's, you know, maybe it's you put it on the calendar quarterly that you reevaluate, you talk to your clients. That's the biggest thing is communication. And I think that that's something that is missing, you know, in, in finances, a lot of time communication is missing. But if you're not sure if your service is meeting the needs of your client, talk to them, ask them, send them a Voxer message, send them an email, send them an Instagram message. Um, Because ultimately, if you're solving a problem for your client, they're going to keep paying you, they're going to buy your service. And so yes, things are kind of scary right now. Honestly, the economy is very uncertain. But as long as you're creating something that your client needs, I think that you're in a very good place as a business owner. So many good points you brought up there. Because as an online service provider, you don't necessarily have that steady income like you would at a traditional nine to five. And so as long as you keep finding the problems and solving them for your client, they're going to continue to need you. And that it goes with anything in life, right? Look at the things that you pay for as a human. You have some sort of quote unquote problem, right? You're going to continue to buy that service no matter what happens in the economy because it's a problem that is passionate to you and something that you need fixed, whether it be something big or small, right? 
same topic and same thing goes here for what we're talking about. And I want to talk about something else too with that, because a lot of the times you hear people, they're so worried about inconsistent income. So what things, what numbers and reports or whatever, can you run for me or help me understand so that I can have some clarity in my numbers going forward? Because one of the things that I talk about and one of the things that I'm passionate about is setting your services and your packages up so that you have some sort of consistent income, whether it be for three months, six months, nine, 12 at a time so that you can provide or that you can rely on that. And so what reports and numbers can you run for me as an online service provider that is going to give me some clarity and be helpful for my business? Yeah. So the biggest report that I recommend that you're going to want to look at is your profit and loss, right? That's going to tell you, let's say for the month of September, we're just getting, we're just almost at the end of October, but let's say for the month of September, I'm going to look at my PL. Obviously you have to have your bookkeeping done in order to do that. So you have to go in and categorize all your transaction, categorize your income. But once you do that, you can, you will know, okay, this is what I received in income. This is what I spent in all of my different expense categories. And this is what's left over. This is my profit. So looking at a report is going to give you so much information because let's say you have three different revenue streams. You have a course, you have services and you sell digital products. You're going to look at that and you're going to say, wow, my digital products did so well last month. I can put more marketing efforts into that and maybe they can be even better next month. Or maybe it, you know, my course isn't really doing that great. Do I need to change something? Or maybe I just, maybe that's something that I need to just not put any more efforts into because I'm putting so much effort into it and it's not going anywhere. So that income piece is really going to help you understand where you should be focusing on in your business. And then the expense piece, this is something that I like looking at. And when I work with someone in our monthly bookkeeping retainer, we go the first three months, we get on a call together and we go over reports. And the reason we do this is because I want both of us to have eyes on those expenses and say, you know, there's a lot in that dues and subscriptions category. Let's think about, you know, maybe there's something in there that you don't really need to be paying for because you don't use it anymore. Or maybe it's something that let's say Canva, for example, and you're like, I use Canva all the time. Okay, well, let's switch it to a yearly subscription and save a little money. So that's going to be one of the reports that is super incredibly important to a business owner. And then the others, like if you're going to start digging deeper on it, there's things like, I love, that's going to sound really nerdy. I love the cash flow statement. So the P&L, you're looking back in your business. You're looking at what has already happened. When you use the cash flow statement, you also are looking back. But if you use projections, so you do cash flow projections, you say, you can think of the cash flow statement as, okay, this is all the money I had in my business at the beginning of the month. This is all the money that came in. And this is all the money that went out. And then there's my net. So let's say you started the month with $1,000. You received 6000 in income, but your expenses were $4,000. You're left over with 3000 did I do that math right? I think it did. <laughs> Mental math is hard. But anyways, so what we can do is using cash flow projections is we can think about, you know, three months from now, if we keep spending at the rate we're spending, if we keep getting income in at the rate we're getting it in, this is where we're going to be at. And I think that that can be an incredibly helpful 
tool for business owners. And the other one is, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say the B word, budgets. I think the budgets are so important. And I know that they get such a bad rap because it's just, there's just such a, I don't know, there's just such a, a thing around budgets and it's become like a bad word. And it's like, budgets are not a chain. Budgets are a tool that we can use. And really, if you want to plan, if you, you know, if you want to plan for your business, having a, even a very, very, very simple budget in place is so incredibly important because let's say next year, let's say we're mapping out 2024. This is something that I'm doing with my clients right now. We're mapping out 2024 and you say, okay, I want to launch a product in, you know, May. I want to launch another one in June. And then, you know, I, my baby's due in July. I'm not actually pregnant, but let's say hypothetically, (laughs) um, you know, a baby's due in July. I don't want to have another launch until November. So we obviously have to plan for those months. So creating a budget that says, okay, I'm going to have these two launches back to back, and then I'm going to take a huge break. I need to plan for that time when I'm not going to have that income coming in is so incredibly important and saying, okay, well, what expenses can I kind of, how can I bring down my expenses? How can I save ahead of time to plan for that? So it's really going to be looking forward to the next three months, the next six months, the next year. And using what your calendar of, you know, when you're going to launch things, when you're going to have certain clients retainers are, let's say they're on a three month retainer and it ends this month. Okay, well, am I going to get another client to fill that revenue or am I going to plan ahead so that I can spend my time otherwise? That was a lot of information. I apologize, but (laughs) no, you're good. I wrote some, I wrote some notes down. (laughs) My first question and I preach about budgets too. So you're good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I, I'm guilty. I don't do much of a business budget, but <laughs> I do, I have a personal one and I am, I'm religious about it and I am very strict. Mm-hmm. So I, I can understand the aspect and it doesn't scare me. Something budget wise for the business would be something that I should actually take the time to do. But surprisingly, when it comes to my own business, I'm just like, okay, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I'm helping other people with their budgets. I'm, help, I'm doing my own budget with my family. And sometimes I'm just like, okay, we'll get to it later or I'll look I at it, it later. <laughs> so when, so say they have a QuickBooks, how accurate is that profit and loss statement that they can just straight up pull up when they have inputted everything after they've done all their credit card transactions or income and everything? How accurate is that report? Yeah, that I, that report is going to be, it. it's going to come back to how you categorize the, things. Yes, how things are categorized and the quality, I guess, of the data that's input. So if you're just going in and you're categorizing everything to ask my accountant, you're not really going to get much information from it. But as long as you go through and you categorize things properly, if you go in and you run that PL in QuickBooks, that's going to give you some really valuable data. Yeah, I asked that because I know I was kind of doing it incorrectly. And then when I talked to my tax person, she was like, well, it was had to do with the miles and then on my mm-hmm. car. And then also I was tracking like when I got oil changes and whatever. And she was like, well, mm-hmm. it's not exactly true. You can't have like you're double dipping here. And I was like, oh, darn. <laughs> so that number that I was looking at just briefly, because I only do that mid-year review with her once I was looking at wasn't super accurate. And I was like, oh, okay. So mm-hmm. for any other person out there that DIYs their own bookkeeping, that something to like, hey, make sure you're not double dipping there because then your profits and your losses are not accurate. And it's that's a whole mess. You have a really good point, though, is checking in with your CPA, because, you know, I obviously know enough about taxes, but I'm not a tax expert. So I can give my clients 
advice and kind of guide them in the right direction. But I always, always recommend checking in with your CPA because they're going to tell you exactly like, number one, they are going to know your specific tax, like the specifics of your situation is when it comes to taxes. So that's a really good point you brought up is like staying in contact with your CPA. And for us and for our clients, we always number one, recommend they talk to their CPA, but also we are happy to talk to any of their CPAs for them as well so that we are best managing their books, how the CPA wants to see things. That makes sense because you're the one that's behind their business, knowing all the numbers. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about other people, but my person, you know, I pay her to do my taxes at the beginning of the year, the end of the year, whatever you want to call it. And she doesn't charge me for that mid-year review. I mean, mm-hmm. she just is like, yeah, it's just a rough estimate. Let's look at some numbers and we go on about our day. So it's not like I'm having to pay extra again mm-hmm. for her to look at this and like, oh gosh, that's cost me. No, it's not cost me at all. Like the price I pay her for that one time lasts the whole year, quote unquote, I guess you could say. Okay. So do you have a few tips for online service providers to help with their numbers and their bookkeeping that you would like to tell my audience? Yeah. So the first thing I am going to say is start, start somewhere. Like you said, if it's a mess and you end up needing help and you have to go back, you've at least had some sort of progress because I think the biggest hurdle is actually starting getting into that QuickBooks subscription that you've been paying for, for six months, you know, and then finally just doing one thing. And the other tip I have is like we've touched on before, get a separate business bank account. I recommend a checking account and a savings account just to start out. The other thing I'm going to say is we again, touched on this a little bit ago is ask for help. Like I, my DMS are open. Send me a message on Instagram. We have, so here's the thing. I love getting to serve business owners and I love what I do. And Something that I saw a need for was help when business owners were just starting out and they can't necessarily afford a monthly bookkeeper yet. And so that's why I created my back pocket bookkeeper membership. And so what that is, is it's basically an you get unlimited access to me and we you can ask any questions that you have. So what I recommend doing with that, the way that I recommend people using it is sitting setting a time on their calendar, let's say the third of every month, where you say this is my money meeting. I'm going to do my business bookkeeping at this time. You pull up your QuickBooks, you pull up your bank account, and then you pull up Voxer and you have me there as you're going through your bookkeeping to answer any questions that you have. The other cool thing I like about that is that we have a monthly group coaching call. So you can get on there and listen to other business owners and the questions that they're asking. And I find that that is really helpful because sometimes they might ask something that you weren't even thinking about or considering. And it really helps to kind of have that community of other business owners who are also asking questions about their finances. So that would be my, you know, my things, get a business bank account, start and find trusted support, whether that's in the form of a membership, or like we talked about your CPA, just know that you don't have to do it alone. How much is that membership a month? It's 124 a month. Okay, cool. Yeah. And is it individual Voxer with you or is it like a group Voxer? It's individual. The The group coaching call is group. A, a group call, yeah. but the Voxer sport is individual. That's cool. Awesome. That's really cool. So I want to talk and go back to the business and the personal finances and keeping them separate. When I got started with business and freelancing and everything, I... I had always, I guess, been, I had had other business owners in my family. And so I had been like taught slash drilled into my brain to get an LLC so that your personal assets and finances are protected and get a business bank account and whatever. 
some people don't have trusted mm-hmm. mentors like that around them when they first get started or that have families that have been entrepreneurs before. And so they don't do the business banking. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't get that. And I had a client that didn't, and I see, and I see people do this all the time. I just had somebody come into my DMs asking about a business credit card. And my thoughts are when you're just getting started, if you don't have any cash flow, the only way that you're able to pay for the things that you need to get started are either from your personal finances or from a business credit card, right? So that you're not having to dip into those personal finances. And for me, I don't know about you, but for me, I would I would always go for the business credit card. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, every single time, 10 out of 10, well, not even nine, 10, out of 10 times out of 10, I would always go for the business credit card. Number one, because my personal money is either already tapped out, you know, cashed out, like I don't want to be putting anything else into it. I mean, when you first get started, you have to buy your LLC. So that's already, you know, a three to $500 investment. But then as you get going, you may need a couple of other things, a software, whatever it may be. Right. And so, but I see people put their personal expense, not the personal, their business expenses on their personal accounts and where it gets them into trouble is when they have personal debt as well. And so if they're 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 putting their business expenses on a credit card that's got 24% interest because of they've racked that up in their personal life, it's hard to know the discrepancies, right? Between this was a business expense, this is business interest, quote unquote, this is mm-hmm. personal interest. And it's just like that that's something that I didn't know. I mean, I knew that that could happen, right? But it wasn't until I had a client that come to me and she was trying to pay off debt and she had put this big, you know, $5,000 group program on her personal credit card debt that was, you know, getting 20 to 25% interest every month. And she wasn't able to write any of that off. So that was just like money that was going down the drain. Mm -hmm. And it was just an eye opening for me of like, okay, people don't know this. People need Mm -hmm. to understand this. And then I just told you, I had a girl come to my DMs the other day saying, hey, what are good business credit cards? And it has me thinking, it's like, you're either paying cash for everything, which is great. Good job. If you have the capital to do that when you are in business, good jobs. Or even if you're starting out, which isn't super common for people to have. I mean, you have to start somewhere, right? Every business starts at zero. So it's not likely Mm -hmm. that they have cash. So it's got to come from somewhere. It's just, that that was crazy to me. Do you have any input on that? Yeah, that's you bring up such an important point because you're right. If you're putting that expensive service or coaching program, whatever it is on your personal card, that is money you're losing out on because you're paying interest on it, but you can't recognize that as a business expense. So yeah, I, I think that you, this is such an important piece of the conversation and honestly, not something that really, this side of it doesn't really get talked about a lot, but it's so important. So here's the thing, like ideal situation, you say, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to take $5,000 of my personal money, I'm going to put it into my business checking account. And that's going to, you know, get me started until I can start bringing in income. That's a very idealized situation, right? Not all of us just have $5,000 sitting around where we can pour into our business. So that's when I do recommend something like a business credit card. And so many business credit cards have like, you know, a 0% APR interest for the first three months or whatever it is, I typically recommend Chase because they ha- they're they really easy to use and they have they connect well with accounting softwares. They're really straightforward. So that I would be, I'm completely in agreement with you on that. It's so important to just kind of keep that door closed because the thing is, if you start putting things on your business, or excuse me, if you start putting business expenses on your personal card, on your personal account, 
not only is there all the issues that we just talked about, but it opens the door for the IRS to say, you know, these are kind of commingled. Maybe like, let's say, God forbid, you got a, you had an audit, then they can say, you know what, we're going to look at both your business and your personal. So you really just want to keep that door closed. You want your business to be your business under your LLC, because that LLC does provide you protection and then keep your, all your personal separate. The other piece of it is, and you kind of touched on this, is it makes it so hard to track. If you're combing through your bank statement every month and you're saying, ooh, you know, three months ago, I spent $54 at Target. Was that for office supplies or was that for a new outfit for, you know, something I was going to? It's really hard to remember those things. And I don't expect you to remember, you know, what what you spent six months ago. So keeping that separate, just number one, saves you time because you don't have to go Google your receipts or go, excuse me, go to your email, look for your receipt and see, you know, if you can find that specific receipt, it just keeps it separate so that you know that if an expense happened in this bank account, it was a business expense. The other thing too, and this is kind of the not so fun part of it to talk about, but let's say that because it's so hard to track, mistakes are made. That means that you could be overstating your income. You could be understating your income and that could affect the taxes that you pay. And that's not something that we want to mess with. No, no, we don't. I was going to say something about Chase. I bank with Chase too, and I've banked with them forever for my entire life. And I wish they would sponsor me because I love love them to death. And they do have a really good introductory business credit card Mm -hmm. that's like 12%, 0%, 12, not 12%, 12 months, 0% (laughs) interest financing, Um, some good cash back or whatever. And I think too, sometimes people, I don't know if actually anybody really thinks this, but because I'm the the debt-free CEO, people think I'm Mm -hmm. against credit cards and that's not the case. I think, I think you have to, I I and you have to look at yourself and be like, okay, can you be trusted with these credit cards? Because if you can't, then don't do it. Right. And that goes in, that goes in your business too, because maybe you're have the mindset of, oh, it's my business. Ooh, it's a write-off. Oh, I can just buy yeah. and spend. It makes me think of the Shit's Creek with the, yes. um, yes. what's his name? He goes, that's David. a write-off. Yes, yes. That's a write-off. <laughs> the government like, people or whatever he said. <laughs> yes. And it's just like, okay, but what? <laughs> that episode <laughs> gets me money. <laughs> every single time. And so kind of to close this up, we talked about, you talked about budgeting in your business. And so knowing your profits so you can use them accordingly and budgeting in your business, would you recommend budgeting doing like a year projection or kind of like doing a soft month to month one, but then looking at it on a 12 month scale, you know, I guess at January or, you know, February, I don't know, because it's just so weird. We are online service providers. So our income can fluctuate sometimes, whether we do a launch or if we are, you know, launching a new product or we, unfortunately, we lose one of those retainer-based clients. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of t- let's let's talk a little bit about budgeting and how you can know your profits for the year to help you with your numbers and help you with budgeting. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think when we think about it in the beginning, like thinking about a 12-month budget can seem kind of daunting. So if that does feel kind of scary to you, you don't have to st- start with 12 months. The cool thing about budgets, I'm going to get kind of nerdy here, but I just love budgets. The cool thing about them is that you get to decide how you do it, right? You get to decide if you want to do a 12 month budget, a six month budget. If you're like, Ooh, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm going to start with one month. Then that's amazing. You're starting somewhere and 
then you can come back the next month and say, you know, that budget needs a little work or man, I did great. Let's kind of use that to look at the next month. Obviously 12 month budget is ideal, but you don't have to start there. You can start with a couple of months. You can start with one month. I really think that, like I said before, just starting anywhere is so important. What's cool is like, if you're a organized person and you can say, you know, I'm mapping out 2024. I want to launch this time, this time, and this time. You can then use that information to kind of create your budget because not only is that going to dictate your income coming in, but it's also going to dictate your expenses to an extent as well, because let's say you have more marketing efforts um, right before your launches, then that's going to be an expense. So if you have a 2024 plan, if you're the type of business that has launches and those kind of things, then you can use that to create your budget. But if you don't have that, then start with one month. And you know, it's it's all about starting somewhere. I like everything that you said. And I I see a lot of this in when I work with my clients one-on-one, when I'm like, yeah, let's do a budget. When people are talking to me or asking me questions about the debt-free CEO, whatever it may be about budgets, some people get it in their head or they think that it has to be so cut and dry, black and white. This is the the four walls that you have to live within and you can't, you know, navigate out within that. And yes, it is a good foundation, but if you decide to, you know, go a little bit of left, go a little bit of right up and down and kind of shift it as you go, that's okay. It's just meant to be an outline. It doesn't have to be something that's so cut and dry. You must follow. And if you don't follow it, you're a failure, you know, whatever. And that's what I like to help and coach my, my people, my clients on of like, this is just a starting point because if you don't even track those numbers, if you don't even know what your budget is, then you have nowhere to go to guide you and to lead you along the way. But if you did happen to go over a little bit on your marketing budget, or you happen to lose a client here and there, like it's all okay, right? We're just using it as a guide and kind of like mm-hmm. almost like a compass to help guide us on where we're going next mm-hmm. in our money and our finance journey. Yeah, exactly. So what's your biggest takeaway that online service providers can take away from this episode? Yeah, I would say finances don't have to be stressful. There are so many emotions that go into finances and I get it. And I'm sure you, Megan, get it too, because, you know, on the personal side, it's it's the same story. There's so much stress that can go into it, but it doesn't have to be that way. There is a better way. It's not going to be easy. That's the thing is, if you, let's say you hire a bookkeeper tomorrow, there's going to be a learning curve, right? You're, they're going to ask you questions that are, you might have to think a little bit about. They're going to ask you to go back to a couple of months ago. If you haven't looked at your bookkeeper, you're going to have to answer those questions. Would you rather deal with that? Or would you rather deal with the stress of it being, you know, January 15th and your tax preparer emailed you and says, you know, I need to know about your business this year. And you're like, I haven't even thought about my expenses. I haven't even thought about my profit, any of those things. So it's important for us for it to be as little stress as possible when thinking about your finances. So that's why I say like, it's important to start now and kind of, yeah, like I said, go through those, those hurdles. But once you've overcome those hurdles, it gets so much easier. I promise you, it gets so much easier if you stop ignoring it. (laughs) And the other part of that too is to find trusted help. Like we talked about, if you're ready to hire a bookkeeper, hire a bookkeeper. If you're not ready, talk to your CPA, get someone that you can get help from that you trust. 
because there are people there for you and that want to see you succeed. You just have to find those people. Yeah. I, right. I like that you said that once you get it in order, it is fun. And mm-hmm. that's how it I, is. that's how I feel with my clients. I'm like, once we, you know, get this debt paid off, that's when the fun begins. Once we actually look at your numbers and get a plan mm-hmm. in place mm-hmm. so that we are prepared for those emergencies, we are prepared for those expenses that may come up out of nowhere, mm-hmm. right? That's when it gets fun. It doesn't always have to be stressful. So I love that you said yeah, that. Exactly. And then you probably have said this like five times, but I'm going to ask it one more time. Is there any advice that you would give for online service providers that are just starting out and that are confused on literally all of the things? (laughs) Yeah, we get it. I mean, I get it. I see it all the time, right? It's that I don't want to start because I'm scared or I'm confused or all these things. Do one thing. If after you get off this, you know, listening to this podcast episode, do one thing. Maybe it's signing up for an accounting software subscription. I know we talked a lot about QuickBooks, but I also really love Xero. It's spelled X-E-R-O. They're really affordable and they're really easy to use, especially for someone DIYing. Maybe it's logging into your business bank account and just even seeing what the number in the account is. You don't have to go from doing absolutely nothing to have this super complicated system. But I guarantee you, if you do one thing today and maybe one thing next week and maybe one thing you know, the week after that, you're going to feel so much better about your finances. Just start somewhere that goes with Mm -hmm. anything, anything Mm -hmm. in in life, but especially with numbers and money and finances is just start somewhere. And if you do it wrong, it's okay. And sometimes that's what holds people back is they don't want to fail. Well, if you're not trying, you're failing. If you're trying, you're learning and you're growing. So where can we connect with you and 1428 financial? Yeah. So most active on Instagram, like most of us. <laughs> so it's, uh, my Instagram name is 1428financial. Um, you can find me there. My DMs are always open. If you want to chat about this, want to chat about anything else, about any of our services, that's where you find me. We're also on Pinterest, but you know, you, it's not really as interactive. So you know, the in- Instagram is the fun one. Cool. Awesome. Well, we'll have her contact information in the show notes so you can make sure to check it there. But thank you so much for joining us, Annie. This was awesome. This was so fun. I love this conversation. (laughs) All right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Debt-Free CEO Podcast. Make sure you leave us a review and check us out on meganmendez.com. Connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at meganmendez underscore underscore. In the meantime, happy budgeting. See you next time.